We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every one of you college football or NFL fans. Uh, I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And I'm joined again by my co-host, Stapon Leco. You can find him on Twitter at Stapon Leco, and that is L-A-K-O on Twitter. And if you're uh, checking out uh, this podcast for the first time, because it is, you know, draft season, get a lot of new listeners this time of year. Uh, we, we like to say this is a show about the journey from beginning to end for, for the best football players in the world, from high school recruiting to college football to NFL draft to their NFL career and on into debates as to who should be in the fo- Pro Football Hall of Fame. But uh, we just talked about the NFL Combine last week uh, ahead of that just to see you know what we should expect with a lot of these players in terms of what what is a normal metric for these guys, what – uh, what should we get excited about? And, um, you know, we're going to talk a, a little bit about the, you know, happenings of the NFL Combine. But a lot of shows are talking about that. So we don't want to spend a whole lot of time. I want to get on, on to how that affects some draft capital for some of our favorite NFL draft prospects. Uh, but really tackle this class as a whole because we took a little break uh, just with some life stuff <laughs> and changes for both Stapon and I and want to really get some takes and, and key information on on these prospects for the 2023 NFL draft. And we'll get on to some returning college football players in the coming weeks. But uh, while the combine is still fresh, NFL draft season is really, really kicking off, uh, getting hot here. I uh, want to tackle this class as a whole. But Stefan, good to see you again, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be here as always. Uh, we had a little bit of a conversation about 40 times uh, last episode and yeah i feel pretty good because the two dudes the two wide receivers i called as the being the two fastest did in fact have the two fastest wide receiver times so uh, yeah i felt pretty pleased about that one yeah i think we we did mention uh trey palmer uh on, yeah. on the last show because i mean he had that the, i think the 200 meter sprinting background and we talked about how casey thompson had called him basically the fastest wide receiver he had thrown to and yep. uh lo and behold four three three my goodness and uh, you know, a lot of mock drafts were already looking at him in, in early day three conversations, but uh, it doesn't take too long. I'm not going to get into the numbers, but the hit rates in terms of projecting uh, wide receivers for day two draft capital or better when they get sub four, four forties is, is very high. 
uh, especially yeah. when you get into the range of sub four, three, five, you're talking about a cohort of players that is almost exclusively uh, getting day two capital and beyond. Uh, and so we can get into that beyond Trey Palmer, but I guess we'll talk about him just because we can talk about Anthony Richardson and we will in a moment uh, as everyone has this week. <laughs> but uh, Trey Palmer is somebody that I was really high on coming into the year this past season, just because the opportunity was huge for him. Uh, he never really took off at LSU, but he was always a burner. He just had to share targets and, and share um, a bunch of opportunity with guys who projected to be first round, second round type players, whether it be Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Keishon Boutte, uh, or this year, I mean, Malik, Na- uh, Malik Neighbors actually emerged as well, always fighting through uh, against players that, that were you know day one and day two projections. He was like, I'm done with this, and I don't like the, the quarterback play that's coming in anyway. And uh, just killed it. Had 40% or so of the offense for Nebraska last year. Um, and then runs the fastest 40 at the combine, which is very indicative of good things for, for capital. So uh, I'm still seeing him as like around three or four at best uh, rookie draft pick for Dynasty Fantasy Football Leagues. And so that that seems like a, just a, coles- a collective mis-evaluation or underappreciation for the player that is Trey Palmer. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think is a realistic outcome? I mean, this is an interesting time of year. Like you were talking about the podcast, how we kind of go from high school recruits all the way, all the way to like Canton, you know, and this yeah. is one of those big bookend moments for these players and, and, and new book openings, you know, like the new chapter begins for these guys as they get ready for the draft and draft capital uh, ends up being one of the key indicators for success in the NFL. And of course um, the combine is a precursor to that. So he, he did great in this particular um, event, <laughs> the the forty. What do you think? Um, what do you think is actually realistic for for Trey Palmer moving forward? Do you think he can be anything more than um, you know uh, a solid wide receiver three to five on an NFL squad, not on your fantasy roster? Sure. But, uh, do you think he ever will be fantasy football relevant? Is, I guess. What yeah, I, I think he's uh, at the very least. Um, you know, I pick. 80, 85 kind of player that sneaks into the back end of, of day two and is offered the opportunity to immediately insert himself as the team's field stretching wide receiver three type target uh, with the upside being he slots in as, as an NFL team's wide receiver two. And uh, we've seen, you know, time and time again, four or five teams a year having multiple wide receivers who can be top 24 fantasy football producers uh, within every, you know, every single year uh, for the most part on, on average. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the upside is not going to be a, a fantasy wide receiver one, but it is going to be a player that you can flex and it might be a, a fantastic boom bust type option in the mid rounds, probably a late rounds realistically with uh, with best ball formats and such. But um, I think most players and most rookie drafts are, are role players, players, players that you can flex. Maybe they're wide receiver 15 in their best year. Um, that That's most career trajectories. But optimistically, you're getting a player much cheaper then his upside, uh, at least current market value, uh, who could go in day two, probably does go in day two, and then pans out. So I, I think it's somebody that we're just overlooking collectively. I mean, we, we could spend 20 minutes talking about the same uh, six wide receivers that everyone's excited about. Right, uh, yeah. But but Palmer's just interesting because I think a lot of people didn't know who he was coming into this uh, last season for the most part and are still underappreciating him despite the fact that he ran the fastest 40. I wish he would have done anything else at the combine. He didn't. He he just was like, "Hey, I'm the fastest guy here." 
everything else that I do can only really hurt my stock because I'm not going right. to, you know, break records in the agility. I'm not going to be the most impressive vertical leaper, you know. So it was just good on him, smart of him to invest in the one thing that he could prove he was most elite at uh, and set him apart and, and really miss miss the, um, out of all skilled position players, miss the, the best time by one one hundredth of a second. Uh, just coming in behind uh, Devin A-Chain, who I want to talk about here next. Uh, you know, one one hundredth of a second within a, uh, behind a guy who has verified sub 10, one, you know, 100 meter speed, right. uh, so borderline crazy. Olympic level speed. Uh, so that's game changing. So as some NFL teams are going to attach themselves to Palmer and say, we, we can't wait on that kind of speed. We can't wait on that kind of prospect. Yeah, there'll be someone, that's for sure. Well, what else, uh, you, you you mentioned wanting to talk about uh, Devin A-Chain, who posted yes. a 4-3-2. We talked mm-hmm. about him quite a bit last week. Uh, yeah. I believe the number was set at 4-2-9, and we both kind of said he'll probably go over that just because that's a crazy time, but you never know. And um, he did, in fact, go over. So, But still, fastest running back out there, um, Jameer Gibbs, was uh, also in the four threes, as was uh, Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina. But um, A-Chain yeah. did end up being the fastest running back. So w- what are your thoughts on him? What do you think is realistically uh... – yeah, just hit me with your sure. thoughts. I mean, you, we've talked about him on the show dating back to, I don't know, two years ago when he was really having an, mm-hmm. an incredible breakout year alongside Isaiah Spiller. Um, and we knew the upside was immense because he was so efficient coming into this last year. Uh, you know, coming into this last year, averaging like eight yards a touch or something crazy for his career. Yeah. Uh, efficiency dipped a little bit once his uh, you know workload expanded into full time, and he was essentially the entirety of the Texas A&M offense last year. The his his touch market share last number uh, last year, his numbers were just through the roof. Like he, you would think he was 225 pounds given the workload that Texas A&M was uh, shoveling his way, uh, and so yeah, he's he's been able to carry the load. Uh, full season and really a, a season and a half as the best back on an SEC roster. Uh, one of the fastest players in college football, if not the fastest player in college football last year. Uh, I think sixth fastest running back 40 time of all time at the combine. So uh, difference making level athlete here. Uh, but the concern I think a lot of people have had with him and was confirmed uh, is that he's small uh, and he's yeah. actually sub five, nine he's uh, he's, or something like that. Yeah, came in sub 5'9", 188. And frankly, I think he just wanted to make sure that, hey, I need to verify my speed. So I'm going to come in, be around 190, and and just cruise to to the fastest skill position time. And he did. Uh, But we really need to see him add add some weight if we want to project confident success. Like even the guys that come in similar like this that have had success have bulked up a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we want to see a little bit of added weight. But I think there's still a very good chance – uh, he is back end of round two selection. And that sounds crazy, Travis, because, you know, we don't see a guy that small go that early, but we just did in terms of BMI last year with James Cook. He was 5'11", 199. That BMI comes in right under 28. Uh, Devin A. Chain at 5'8 and half, 188 is actually slightly thicker than James Cook was in terms of his BMI. So we just saw a player of, of similar stature uh, that is better at nothing uh, and is and is not as athletic or as fast as Devin A. Chain, uh, despite what any film bro wants to tell you. Because, um, I mean, like they honestly probably just haven't looked close enough, even if they are. Um, so, yeah, I think it, the upside is immense in the right opportunity. I think worst case, you're looking at a guy who profiles as like a really solid pass catching 1B. 
Uh, but if he's given a, a lead opportunity, could succeed anyway. Yeah, no, that's that's fun. Uh, who are some other running backs that um, that kind of piqued your interest? A, a guy that I wanted to ask you about um, who uh, was very productive last season is, is Chase Brown, and he he put together um, a real nice combine. Yeah. Um, he uh, he he ran a four four three, I believe. And uh, has the production, I think, what, he had 900-yard rushing games um, last season or something like that? Uh, he, yeah, uh, I think, I believe he was the third most productive back in all the country as well. People kind of forget that he was he was just as productive as uh, one B. John Robinson, really, uh, last year and doing it in a uh, less-than-ideal situation. I mean, Illinois, it was a good year for Illinois, but it was much, much due to the fact that uh, people couldn't just stop Chase Brown. Um, right. And I was high enough on chase that I thought he was a borderline round three round four type prospect coming into the combine. And it's been funny just mapping out the price distribution at Mojo for this class. Cause we've been slowly, but surely adding uh, rookie prospects to the platform and we've got a really nice full release coming out on Mojo. And if you can, you can, you can check it out anywhere, but you can only play in New Jersey, by the way, but if you want to invest in the, the stock market there, it's fun. But uh, we've been messing with these uh, prices on these guys, even off platform for months, uh, just to make sure that when we actually can and uh, promote this and launch it uh, for a lot of these players, that it's right. Uh, and most of the players, you know, are pretty, pretty consistent, not, not many significant changes after the combine, but, but Chase Brown was the lone exception among all running backs. I didn't know uh, that when I asked that question about him. So I'm yeah, glad I did. <laughs> because we, you know, in, in building any kind of modeling, uh, you need every single piece of the puzzle. And he's had the production. I wasn't sure. You know, I, I, I knew he was twitchy. Uh, you know, I knew I knew he had kind of like that uh, short area speed and burst and, and strength to break tackles. But when it came to verified athleticism, I was not sure he was a, you know, sub four or five kind of guy. And he shows up at the combine at almost 210 pounds and, and runs 4-3. Four, four, and you're going to have to shift the probability distribution for his future outcomes. Yeah. You just got, you have to because he looks more like a feature act now than he did just uh, a few weeks ago. And there's not many players that I can say that about. Do you have his speed score? I do. His speed score was 108.5, which was, oh, I nice. believe, good. Yeah. And, and so, like, for those unfamiliar with the speed score, it, it, it's size-adjusted speed. That's what, that's all it is. You're adjusting for a player's height and their weight and their 40 time. And the only two players that had better speed scores, uh, at this particular combine were Daenerys Prince of Tulsa, who was not really super interesting for our, our purposes. Uh, and then Jameer Gibbs, who essentially profiles like Jamal, heard Charles. Of him. Jamal yeah. Charles, yeah. he, yeah, he, heard he of profiles him. very similar to Jamal Charles at this point, given his, that sounds outlandish, but I don't care that, that like he ran four, three, eight, uh, at virtually identical size and has the shiftiness. He, 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 he's even got, I mean, he's got a lot going for him in, in regards to uh, Charles comp. Um, but Chase Brown had the third best speed score, even better than a Devin a chain uh, in terms of his height size, you know, right. his height That's weight and yep. 40. So coming in at four, four, three is fantastic. And then being able to leap 40 inches in the vert, you know, that vert we just got excited about this week with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, well, Chase Brown did it, and he's and he's shorter, <laughs> so yeah. like he's he's and got bigger, probably. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. He's being, yeah, he's just a, an absolute uh, monster, and to, to have an identical vert and broad to Anthony Richardson essentially uh, is is incredible. So 
really impressive athleticism. Uh, and then to just annihilate it at the bench as well. He didn't even have to, but on the, on the way out, he's like, Hey, by the way, I can also bench 225 pounds, uh, 25 times. Like, I don't care. There's not much, there's not signal to be gleaned from that, but it's just like, okay, dude, we get it. You're, you're a monster. Um, so it seems to me right, that he's a pretty safe day two projection now. And that wasn't the case prior to the weekend. Yeah. So when you said you guys had to adjust him, you don't have to give me like the, the actual numbers, oh, no. but it was pretty yeah, yeah. significant. Like- it was significant. It was, you know, if, if, if you're in uh, you know, your spreadsheets and you're looking at conditional formatting, uh, he was the dark green, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he, he was the, the biggest mover, uh, of all the uh, skill position players, just based off of historical signal from all the testing that we have, uh, you sound like such a nerd pricing. right now. By the oh, way, man, I, I am an absolute. But I nerd. know that everyone listening loves it, so, so we, sure. that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, look, I am. Stuff. It's funny, like I'm at this weird cross section of you know, like all my my truly nerdy friends and like coworkers that are really smart data scientists at Mojo, like just genius Ivy League. Uh, like they are just awesome, like geniuses. Like I am like a film bro to those people. And then like, but my, my film bro people, like I'm the data nerd. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I am I live in both spaces, I promise, but I just sound more nerdy. Uh, well, maybe I am that nerdy, but I, I, I like to say I sound more nerdy than I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think it's, it, it's funny too, because there's uh there is like this whole, I mean, fantasy football, that's what brings in a lot of the people that do the, analysis and and people mm-hmm. writing the articles that you're reading or people that you're listening to on podcasts like we're, we're all pretty nerdy when it comes to it uh <laughs> yes. and you gotta uh-huh. be because you can't i mean there's a few guys that are out there doing it based on on just film alone um like chris harris i know that's that's a lot of his stuff but even he'll be the first to say yeah there, there's gotta be a blending so um yeah. but yeah most of live it. a little bit in both worlds you really do yeah but uh but yeah we don't have to live in a, a bunch of the combine stuff but uh the, t- the tight end class essentially overall just proved hey uh, uh what's up guys we're really stacked <laughs> yeah um, across the board and we don't have to break it down in, intensely but uh there were several guys that were sub four six which is incredible in terms of mm-hmm. historical you- numbers like even in you talked about years. that last week too. Yeah. Yeah. Where it, it's shifting. It's a little bit faster here recently, like four, seven, five ish for the average. People want to act like Michael Mayer was uh, unathletic when he, he came in at four, seven or whatever, but like, that's actually plenty above average um, in terms of tight end testing. But there were several guys who were, who were, you know, sub four, six, and you look unathletic, unathletic compared to them. Uh, but, you know, Sam Laporta proving that he's got speed. Will Mallory at Miami proving he has speed. Zach Koontz proving that he's, maybe the, the most impressive balanced athlete at the entire Why was combine. he at Old Dominion, right? Old Dominion? So I talked to, you know, it's, it's been funny. This is my fourth show this week, and I, he's come up, I think, on every single one. Well, you uh, brought because, him up just to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, I did. But, uh, and it's because he's come up every single time. It, it's yeah. It's that um, he, so he, he was at Penn State first, and he followed the, uh, the offensive, I can't even think of the, the coach's name at Old Dominion right now, but he came from Penn State. So he was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. He was offensive coordinator even dating back to when Saquon Barkley was there. But anyway, Koontz came in there. He followed him. A few other Penn State players followed him as well to Old Dominion. Uh, Koontz was just the one that panned out and really was productive. Uh, was also hurt at times uh, while he was there. But uh, incredibly nice production numbers when he has been healthy. 
and then shows up and runs a four five five, leaps forty inches in the vertical, almost eleven feet in the broad, and then tests as a way above average uh, agility type uh, at, the, at the position too. So he really leaped up the boards, uh, I think, uh, with his performance at the NFL Combine. Like that, not all positions. There's a bunch of s- signal to be gleaned uh, via the athleticism, but uh, with the forty for the tight ends, that's really important. And uh, he just crushed it like above the 70th percent, 70th percentile, I believe, across the board and everything. So yeah. uh, check, check, check. He looks like the real deal. I think he just made himself a, a day two tight end. And it's funny, man. Earlier this week, Daniel Jeremiah's top top 50, his updated top 50 had five tight ends in his top 50, which that's that's a little bit of a, aggressive. But at the same time, yeah. I'm like, man, like there are like seven, eight truly uh, athletic difference making uh, tight ends in this class and you don't get to say that every single year uh, so it will be interesting to see what happens with him what happens with uh, laporta what happens with uh, uh laporta is obviously he's out of iowa you know the tight end university <laughs> mallory right. out of miami i think you mentioned him last week mm-hmm. uh, a lot yep. of these guys don't know washington proving that he's an alien too <laughs> so uh, i really think it's gonna come down and 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 maybe this is uh too bland of a take but i mean location is going to be key for these guys where they end up what offense they're in what kind of players are around them is going to be oh, yeah. critical because because right now like like mallory or coons who do you think is going to have a better career i i think it's going to be whoever ends up at the right spot between those two because right. draft capital is going to be important but i i think landing spot is going to be more so just because of the nature of that specific position oh yeah it's it's one of the one of those positions you have to do everything, uh, and you have to be in the perfect spot. And if you're not, you wash out by year three, like before your rookie contract's even over. Like, oh, these guys disappear. Especially the day three tight ends. Historically speaking, the attrition rate just uh, is terrible for that position. I mean, there are exceptions. Like you, you have the George Kittles, who's a day three. You have Darren Waller, who's a day three, but he was actually a day three wide receiver and then converted to tight end later. It's just a a difficult position. Like, and even guys that come out of the mid mid rounds, you have uh day, day two successes, like Travis Kelsey, like Mark Andrews, like Rob Gronkowski, um, that weren't slam dunks, you know, top five picks or top 10 picks like uh, TJ Hawkinson was, or, or Noah Fant in the first round or other guys like that. So it's, it's just tough. It's a tough position. Capital means a ton, uh, but in, in a stacked class like this, the opportunity and prime landing spot is going to be key. And I, and I also think, and we see this happen um, a lot of times when there's uh, not a huge gap between them all, uh, we might see some of them, you know, people willing to wait. Like, hey, man, if there's still still five tight ends on the board that I like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wait another round before I pick. Or, or, or I won't do it this, and I can always trade back up and, and, and get, get one once that run starts. So we might see, yeah, I... I don't think we'll see. Uh, I don't think we'll see five in the first fifty picks. Uh, that's not what Je- Jeremiah was saying, was he? Um, in his personal rankings, that that's how it shakes out. I don't think that he was saying that that's the most likely outcome in terms of draft yeah. capital investment. That would be uh, that'd be crazy. One of the most impressive distributions of capital for tight end ever. Um, yeah. But even at Mojo, I, and it, it it doesn't say much to this is not giving way too much. I promise. Uh, I mean, like we're looking at this class as like man. Uh, in terms of overall capital investment, this could be the second uh, deepest class since like 2007. Like it's it's um, it's been a long time since we've we've had a group that was potentially uh, this this deep. So it could be a lot of fun. 
But let's let's yeah. uh let's get to some actually before we shift to other positions and dive into the the uh, the class a little bit more. Who is your tight end one? Who is my tight end one? Yeah, who's um, your tight end one? I think it's probably I mean probably still Mayor, um, then Washington and then Mallory. Then I mean maybe I'll put Koontz ahead of him just because you've talked about him four times this week. <laughs> but um I just like Will Mallory. I like to me, like Miami is still tight end you, you know, from way back yeah. in the day. Um, and I don't know if they ever actually were. You've got all the numbers on that. But uh, they always just strike me as a, as a university that gave us a they lot actually of are. tight ends. So They actually are. They are um, tight. They're still number one and will be number one for a long time because of uh, the long stretch of a few, just a few tight ends who've been immensely productive there in terms of like PPR, you know, fantasy purposes. Yeah. Most moist, mo- moist, mo- moist, most, po- most points, uh, makes those two words, the most points from a university at any one position, but yeah, they're way up there. So that's, um, who's your, who, how, how's your kind of top, top of the list go for tight end? I mean, it's, it's still mayor, but, uh, it's really close just because, uh, the fact that, uh, I I know I, I know what the receiving numbers are for Darnell Washington. I I know that his peak receiving our market share numbers is is it's below fifteen percent. Like he never had a breakout uh, performance. Like even like his yards per team pass attempt, even if you adjust for the scale of his offense, uh, you know, and, and his efficiency, like he never even got above like one full <laughs> yard per team pass attempt. Uh, but but I know he can do it. Uh, Georgia just wasn't always asking uh, him to him do it. Yeah, and could, we've seen could a few you other imagine players. Have if he ended it's not up, like the wide receiver position. Like, what were you saying? Oh, like if he in, like, where would you love to see him land? Like, if he's at the right spot, he could absolutely blow up from from week one. Yeah, I, I know some people have been mocking uh, Mayer to Cincinnati, uh, but if it was Darnell instead, uh, that would be. They already have <laughs> a first round tight end there. Oh, do they? <laughs> Hayden Hurst went in the first round, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, I'm not really counting him. Uh, he's already like <laughs> 500 years old. Um, but seriously, that, that would be a, that would be a really fun spot for him. Uh, anywhere with a really good uh, quarterback is probably a good thing. Um, so I, I don't really care about his, his landing spot as much because he he can just plug in and be a 12 personnel guy immediately, uh, yeah. and and be a, a prime producer for a long time because he's just so freaking athletic. So it's probably I between think- those two. Put him uh, in Jacksonville with Evan Ingram. Oh, um, man. T- oh, my gosh. One would and be, two right there. That would be, be wild. That would actually be similar to set up. Yeah. <laughs> For real real football purposes, especially. But um, no, I think uh, many people want to talk about Dalton Kincaid as a potential side in one. Uh, some mock drafts are even putting him in that, uh, in that slot. But uh, I'm just a little bit concerned that he doesn't have the, you know, he, we didn't get verified testing on him because he was not healthy. Uh, for the combine, and I'm not sure he has that uh, otherworldly athleticism uh, like some of these guys do. And I know Mayer doesn't either, but Mayer has, you know, a perfect production profile. He's got perfect prototypical size. He's got uh, a lot more experience in the position. He has a lot more checks in his, uh, in all of his boxes than a Kincaid does. And Kincaid had that weird, weird track. He like went. He had basically no offers out of high school because he didn't play till way late. Went to like. I think UC San Diego, I think it was what, what it was and uh, transferred to Utah and just accidentally happened into the starting role at Utah because uh, Brent Cuthie missed some time. Uh, and then he was turned out he was a really good ball skills guy at the catch guy. Um, but man, I, 
it's pretty confident to, to slot him in as, as your one. I think that there are other solid receiving tight ends right up next to him too. So uh, it's a fun class though, because there's really a half dozen guys we can put up there. But I think Mayer's still number one because I mean you're looking at a guy who has wide receiver level metrics. Like he's peaking near forty percent of the receiving offense for Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's crazy. Like his yards per team pass attempt mark is would be average for an NFL wide receiver prospect, not tight end. Like, like when you're talking about breakouts, like he broke out as a freshman. Uh, he is he's still mocked as, as a first round pick, and he's been so for a long time. Uh, yeah, he is the safest projection, and perhaps the second highest kind of upside projection in the entire class behind perhaps Darnell Washington. Yeah, I like it. Um, should we hit a break and then uh, jump into some of the other positions? Let's do it. Get get back to the positions that people actually care about. <laughs> no, it's good. we don't spend enough time talking about tight ends. So we don't because uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, hard. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do play in a two tight end league. So this is always, uh, and that's brutal by there the way, a dynasty two tight end league. But uh, <laughs> yeah, now I've got a couple of most uh, teams don't have shots. one. So <laughs> I know me. All right, we'll be right back. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we are back. Let us, I mean, we kind of buried the lead here. I think we did it intentionally so. Um, but you, you mentioned um, uh, Richardson at the top. Let's jump into the quarterback position here. Um, yeah. I know everyone is all about Anthony Richardson, which means I already had zero shares and I'll continue to have zero shares because uh, 
that's that, that the price is ridiculous at this point. Yeah, it's um, it's just and you probably heard this on other shows this week that uh, in terms of shows that actually follow college football very closely. It's like we we've known um, since he was in high school that he was perhaps the most athletic quarterback ever. Like, I, I don't know if you guys ever watched the uh, Netflix documentary, the QB one series uh, where like Justin Fields was on there. Spencer Rattler was on there, on there. Jake Fromm was on there. They had a bunch of misses too. Uh, but, but he was actually due to be up next in that series. Like Anthony Richardson, his senior year, I, I believe they're actually already filming. And then the series actually got discontinued. Uh, but I wonder what the hype would be now had he had that whole series about him already. Uh, it probably would have been just off the rails even more so earlier, perhaps. But we knew, like, for four years, like, dating back to his high school, that he was just an absolute freakazoid athlete that had crazy uh, traits. But he just doesn't have a whole lot of reps at the quarterback position. Like, he had uh, kind of platoon time with Embry Jones uh, in, in 2021 uh, and then started – you know, one season for Florida and it was a mixed bag of results. I mean, there were three games that if you squint, they were okay. Uh, as a passer, that is like the Utah performance. Well, I mean, that was cool. He had the, the one play where he spun out and they got overplayed every, everywhere. And that was yeah. awesome. Um, he had a really good game against like, uh, I think Eastern Michigan or, or something and uh, Vanderbilt <laughs> and like his Tennessee game was okay. Uh, but man, most of his, most of what we've actually seen from him as a passer uh, was was bad not not even neutral but bad uh not even compared to nfl prospects but just compared to college football prospects uh and players uh, starting quarterbacks who have at least 100 passes since the year 2016 his pass efficiency performance in 2022 is a 36th percentile performance like if it, it's it's if you put his his profile as a passer helping against any quarterback to be drafted in any round in the last seven years. He is last. No way. Dead last. <laughs> so. Wow. Um, so, so here's the thing. Yeah. There's now a quarterback that I think has less value than Will Levis. It's finally happened. Because <laughs> I want neither of either of those two. The thing with Anthony Richardson, though, that drives me crazy is, like you said, like we've already known this about him. So we shouldn't then boost him after he does what we already knew he was going to do at the draft. Right. So people are like giving him bonus points on what they've already scored him upon. So like he's getting double credit and, I, and I'm not going to do that. So um, no. I've been wrong on people before that didn't have outrageous production. Like Josh Allen is going to be like, I'm, I will be the first to admit that I was wrong about him. Oh um, yeah. Same here. But there's a lot um, of that I I've been right about. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, but I thought Josh Allen was going to be a bust, just like I think AR is going to be a bust, and I think Levis is going to be a bust. But um, yeah, to me, uh, giving bonus points for things that we already knew about just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that is that is a, a bit odd. Um, and I've been really trying my best to, and it's my full time job to do this now, right? It's to to project these futures out and make sure that our market at Mojo has accurate pricing that is representative of the most likely outcome for their future, that the price makes sense based on uh, buying action, uh, news and, and, and information, any information that I can get from, from the market that would help define his price and the mock drafts and everything. Um, but it, it's interesting. The, the market is super confident in Anthony Richardson. His, his price has been nonstop rising since ever really since he declared uh, because people are just really confident and Anthony Richardson. So I constantly 
test and test and test and retest and adjust modeling to, to just in any way, man, is this in any way, shape or form justifiable? Like is it is, is anything, is any of this confidence, does it make sense in, in any world? And there's nothing I can do. Uh, even when you add in key statistics, like, um, you know, rushing numbers, like any kind of adjusted rushing score, uh, like from EPA, like EPA, like expected points added per play, like just as rushing, or maybe his overall EPA per play numbers, uh, maybe his rushing on market share, anything added on to his passing profile. Is that going to possibly boost him up into the conversation of being uh, a safe hit pro- projection? And in pre-capital models, the answer is absolutely not. And if you adjust and say, ask, he, yeah, and if you adjust and say, hey, he, he need to be drafted for it to make a difference. If, if he is the number one overall pick, he's barely in the hit category. <laughs> like oh, if, he, if he's the if he's the number one overall pick this year he's he's barely in the people in the are getting fired of, first first of all first first someone's getting fired for making that decision <laughs> if that ever like would if happen. he's the number one overall pick he still profiles uh even yeah he still profiles worse than other uh recent uh guys in that kind of conversation like zach wilson his profile's worse than that his profile are we already calling he, zach wilson a failure oh yeah absolutely he's gone he's done uh, I mean, even like Trey Lance, even if you really heavily nerf his profile for competition, uh, Richardson comes in behind him. Uh, he comes in below that of Sam Darnold, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Dwayne Haskins, uh, all these other first rounders that missed. Uh, he's below them. Like even, you know, even if you really favor the rushing production and over over correct for that type of production, it's bad. But at the same yeah. time, at the same time. <laughs> He comes in better than Josh Allen and Daniel Jones <laughs> because no amount of modeling was ever going to tell us that Josh Allen was a hit and no amount yeah. of modeling was ever going to tell us that Daniel Jones was a hit. And even after, his contract, a hit? even after his contract, I mean, he had what, like 15 total passing touchdowns last year. That's not, I mean, okay. But it's, so if, if we're like squinting and looking at all of the hits in the last like seven, eight drafts, um, there are two guys that, One's a definite hit in Josh Allen, and one is a maybe hit that that didn't pass the smell test, analytically speaking. Um, mm-hmm. And Anthony Richardson is down there with them. So, yeah. cool. He could still hit, absolutely. But, man, it's hard to really justify it with just objective pieces of information. Right, right. Which, I mean, that's what we're trying to provide people with. Um, yeah. A little, uh, a little historical data and analysis to go along with those emotions you're feeling. Yeah, because I mean, I I could sit here on the podcast without any video and try to break down his film grades and his footwork and talk about like how I charted all all his accuracy numbers at different layers of the field. But nobody, nobody wants to hear that. And I don't have the visual to to go through that. But even in that regard, like it's, you really have to squint to, to say, man, he's, he's ready, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, and and it sounds like it's all negative for me, but I'm saying this is the best athlete we've ever seen at the tight end. I almost I did the same thing. I was on another podcast and Kane Fissell, uh so this is the most uh, he, he slipped and said this is the most uh, most athletic tight end, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. I just did it too. But he, he he would be a fine tight end. But he's like the most athletic quarterback prospect ever. Um, so if somebody's going to outdo uh, our expectations of any kind of modeling, even adjusting for his rushing over overly optimistically, uh, it, it's going to be Richardson. But if I'm actually a decision maker, there's no way, no way that I am, I'm going for that kind of player. Right. 
Yeah, no, I. And with that uh, said, agree. as much of a, a, a hypocrite as it may make me sound, uh, I, I went on the record on shows and said he's probably 1.04, 1.05 anyway, because he's right. going to get the capital. And if he yeah. does get the capital, and he's a first round quarterback with with mobility in dynasty fantasy football leagues, people are going to. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. But I'm not going to probably get him if I have the fourth or fifth for the fifth uh, pick slot anyway, because people are going to reach out the wazoo and go like pick one, two, three for this guy anyway. Yeah, that's true. We, um, speaking of, we need to do a mock draft coming up here soon. So I know with, uh, get, um, get Mr. Wish Bay on here. It's been a while since we do, uh, you know, we, we always do those rookie mocks and Debbie mocks. And so, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. I just wrote an article, uh, the one you, you, you wrote the last couple of years on, uh, projecting next year's, so that that was fun but we'll have to do that too but we have this this year's any other quarterbacks from this year that you want to talk about we touched on uh well, we Anthony basically Richardson. just talked about one so yeah i mean max duggan i was impressed with i i actually watched him him, him run and uh yeah he, he was faster than malik cunningham i think they were in the same group and uh going, yeah, that was malik wild. was going right after him and um uh-huh. it was it was surprising I, I i would have lost a lot of money betting on who was faster between those two guys oh, yeah, I would have too. And in fact, I, I felt bad. I did uh, suggest to some friends to to take the under on Malik Cunningham's uh, four or five, but I gave them good advice on taking the over on some wide receivers, so they they were yeah. profitable anyway. But uh, <laughs> I tried I, yeah, to surprising. Bet. I tried to bet, and it wouldn't let me because I'm in Colorado, and they were like, anyway, I don't want to talk about it. But I wasted a lot of <laughs> money to not be able to bet, so I have to yeah, get it back. Yeah, that's somewhere. a bummer. But yeah, Malik Cunningham didn't really help himself at the combine. Uh, he's probably fringe draftable at this point, which is disappointing. But he was supposed to be really fast and is actually slower than a a guy in Anthony Richardson who was much bigger than him. Uh, but he, you know, he's really productive Louisville quarterback, but just never really figured it out as a passer. And so that's a bummer. But yeah, Duggan was fun as a uh, an athlete at the combine, so that probably helped solidify him getting drafted. But uh, probably still a day three projection. And that's really what a lot of this class is for the most part. I mean, you've got your safe picks in Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and everyone that has propped up Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Um, and Hinton Hooker very much still deserves to be at least in the day two range. Uh, and then people who are drunk and wrong uh, want to put Tanner McKee in that conversation too. Um, people man, are still doing that? Oh, man, it is bad. It's just a bunch of copy and pasters that uh-huh. have no idea. They clearly didn't watch anything over the past few years with Terry McKee uh, because there's just nothing. There's absolutely, no. he's an absolute liability in terms of mobility, in terms of mobility. Uh, he was, it was just a sack monster uh, and just an absolute zero as a rusher. Uh, and he's, he's six, six, I get it, but you know, he's over six, six, I believe. But any guy, if you look at the recent, like six, six, you know, old school proto- prototype bodies of the position, this is a bunch of freaking bus, like with the exception of Justin Herbert, like they're all nothings uh, yeah. in the, like the last 15 years. So I don't care that somebody's six, six anymore. Like it doesn't matter if you don't add value as a rusher and you're by the way, second worst as a, as a passer in the entire class ahead of only Anthony Richardson. Bye. <laughs> I don't want, I don't, I don't care. I have zero yeah. interest. And and whoever takes Henry McKee is lighting a pick on fire and is going to be unemployed very soon. But anyway, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not opinionated opinionated at all no. clearly as it, when it comes to that. We um, we have a lot of the same takes on a lot of these players though, which I think is funny. But I guess we're yeah. we're looking at we value the same type of data, so that's probably why. 
It is similar. I, I will say, I and, and my, I think, I guess, I don't know if you're right here with me or not, but CJ Stroud is my quarterback one still, and that hasn't, I haven't really, I mean, I've got waffled back and forth between like him and Bryce, and but it's it's Stroud, like he's he's the dude. He has. Are you talking about who you think will get drafted first, or who you think will have the better career? Who will have the better career? Yeah, that's because I think Young will both. go first, but Stroud, I think, will be better. Exactly. I guess it's Young's probably still going to be the first overall pick, but there's just not anything with the exception of perhaps his, um, you know, if you want to break down uh, and get nitpicky with some film takeaways, um, his refusal to run, that was really by Demon, like that was coaching more than anything. Uh, but he can run. His first touch in college was like a 48 yard rushing touchdown. <laughs> uh, and like when he had to run because uh, against Indiana, like it was like 25 mile an hour wins and more. Like he <laughs> he could run and be productive this past year. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's my only question. You know, his ability to, you know, go out of structure and uh, under, under pressure, uh, use his legs. And um, uh, he's a really good, you know, accurate passer but um you know when you have to has to go truly off schedule there are some maybe some questions if you want to nitpick but he's still give you one yeah yeah no i i don't disagree with you there um but i happily have either of them on a <laughs> on a dynasty team yeah. or a c2c team so <laughs> i yeah. think there's and one I, league i do have both of them which is fantastic yeah and i will say no matter what you do to any kind of predictive modeling, uh, it's separate from film analysis. If, if you just plug it in and want to have the most op, most signal, the most accurate prediction of the future before draft capital, because that's 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 what's more meaningful in terms of being able to differentiate the prospects from one another. Because after the capital, that that kind of that signal over overrules a lot of things historically. But um, if you want to be able to differentiate and identify the correct player you know drafted in a similar range you're looking at pre-capital projections and so in terms of pre-capital projections Hennon Hooker is actually the only player that's close to to Stroud um you know if you adjust for you know some age or you overweight age in your analysis he'll he'll be below Stroud and Young for sure which is probably safe to do uh but he's still uh the QB3 in terms of the analytics in this class so I would not be surprised at all if he's like a pick 53 like a Jalen Hurts and find success anyway uh, in the NFL. I would, I would rather have Hooker at pick 53 than A.J. Richardson in the first 10 picks, like in the real NFL draft, you know? Anthony Richardson, yeah, 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 seriously. Yeah. Uh, like, I would yeah, rather... In terms of value and, and contra- yeah. uh, contract structure and, um, yeah, I mean, get get another position in round one and then take a hinted Hooker in round two. Uh, and he's actually tracking right now to be ready by week one anyway, so a lot of people yeah. worried he might not be, but... Seems I like also think that's could be ready sh- as, that early. I think that's also such a short-sighted approach when it GMs is. let people it slide is. because of something that ninety-five percent of athletes, like at their level, yeah. their conditioning, are going to be okay. Yeah, people like me are going to be injured forever now. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like I tore yeah. my calf, uh, I tore my yeah. calf a year ago, and it still bo- bugs me because I didn't take <sighs> care of it. But uh, Hendon Hooker and I are not the same person. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think Hendon's a little bit more dedicated to his uh, yeah. to his health. <laughs> no, I, I'm excited to, to see where Hendon Hooker goes uh, for that reason, and I I don't think enough people are talking about him. I know you started talking about him about this time last year. You were like, you man, Hendon Hooker could if he, if he puts Dude. it together for his senior for, for his final year, like he could really get some draft capital. And I wanted well, to believe it because it sounded like fun. 
Um, Two years ago, he got injured. It is when uh, I was all my I live in Tennessee, and when he transferred to Tennessee, all my friends know I'm like a super uh, football nerd, and all my Tennessee friends were asking me about him, and um, you know Joe Milton comes in, and uh, they're all talking up Joe Milton, and I'm like, guys, Joe Milton has not been it. Uh, You know, maybe he figures it out eventually now that he has an opportunity and a good offense this year, Uh, but. Hendon Hooker would be my pick. I don't know why. I know that Milton's going to practice his way into this starting role, but Hendon Hooker's the guy. I was telling him nonstop, Hendon Hooker's the guy. And Milton opens up the season as a starter. I was like, what do you – see, I told you, Milton's the guy. He's got a crazy arm. I go, okay. And like three weeks in, Hendon Hooker's the starter. I love it, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, guys, I'm telling you. And then he has these two seasons that are back-to-back 95th percentile pass efficiency seasons in a row. Um. It's just it felt good to just rub it into my <laughs> to yeah. the friends locally here. Like I told you, this guy already had things going on prior to this. Like even at Virginia Tech, like he was already like in his uh, 2019 season, he was he was looking like a, a day two trajectory type back then. So uh, yeah, it, it's it's cool to see him still in that in that range of outcomes now. But let's let's wrap it up with running backs and t- and wide receivers here. Um, we could spend a second on Bijan because uh, I know that he is the truth, and a lot of people want to say he's the dynasty running back one, and I'm one of those people. And I've I've actually said, I mean, there are some people that say he was dynasty running back one in the middle of last season, and that's a little bit aggressive, just because like you're not actually getting fantasy points, you know, for him at that age yeah. last year, and there's a lot of time, value, money principles you could throw in there. But as soon as this past season ended for fantasy football, Bijan was your new, new dynasty running back one at the very least at that point. You asking me or telling me? I'm telling you, but you can disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. What, 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 do you do you agree or like or would you no, prefer anybody I, else? I mean, I still like JT. Like, are you talking about like rookies or all Just of all the NFL? all running backs in the NFL? B. John is running back one right oh, now for I dynasty. I still like dynasty Jonathan football. Taylor, man. I just love Jonathan Taylor. And he's your boy. He is. How quickly, how quickly you've turned your back on the, the No, ones I'm not love. saying I don't like Jonathan <laughs> Taylor. I'm not I'm, don't hear me saying that. I guess still very much like Jonathan Taylor, and he's still like what 23? That's fine. Uh, but in terms of and maybe it's just the mojo influence, like looking at true future expected value, like his future production from here on out, because that's what really matters to us. What's right. safer? Like the next two years of JT and then, um, you know, whatever happens with the second contract that they'll probably map out as a four contract. That's four year contract. That's really a two year contract or Bijan with his entire rookie contract. That's almost all guaranteed. So like a four year equivalent we're looking at in terms of safe year project pro- projections for JT and Bijan, but Bijan's younger and he's, and he's got all the hype. He's going to have perhaps first round capital, um, uh, almost a lock for first round capital yeah, to me. I think so to me, it's just been, I, I, I like both players, but in terms of future expected value to be accrued on my fantasy rosters from today on, I'm betting on Bijan. Yeah. see. I'm still, I want to win this season. And I think for this season, JT gives me a better opportunity to win than Bijan would knowing what we know yeah. now, like not knowing team or anything like that. This could, cause I could change my mind if Bijan ends up at the, in the right spot. Sure. Um, yeah, but uh, but say, I mean, because GMs do stupid things like people <laughs> no. make the wrong pick, and and someone could take Bijan in a place where he's gonna be getting, you know, 
50% of the snaps, you know, and, and not getting 70 to 80% of the snaps. So mm-hmm. um, Jonathan Taylor, we know a bit more what to expect. Um, we know that there's a, a receptions built into him. Like we don't know how Bijan will be utilized. Anyways, all that to say uh, for now, give me the, the next two years of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Cause I value the, the present a little bit more than the future as a fantasy football owner, but I understand sure. what you're saying from Mojo's perspective for sure. Yeah. And for and like single, agree. single year leagues, I don't think Bijan is going to be ahead of those types right away. Um, but I, th- I think back to when players of uh, Bijan's ilk, you know, came in like Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley, uh, right. guys that were hyped up to that extent as the standalone running back one in their class. Um, and, and there really is, it's just Bijan. Like, I mean, I really you like don't think, Gibbs. You don't think Gibbs is there yet? Or not no, yet. in terms of value Never. perception <laughs> among most leagues as well, there's a huge gap. Um, and so I think because of that as well, uh, and how running backs are viewed in terms of scarcity and finding that elite player, like because year over year, like there's really only like three or four uh, truly elite, elite, elite production uh, performances every year. Like as every once in a while you get a year, there's, there's absolutely zero, like back to I think it was 2015 where Devonte Freeman was running back one or something like that. Yeah. Um, but most years, like there's between one and four truly like elite blue blood type performances. And I think Bijan has that in him. And I think JT has that in him, but I think because of the, um, the safety and the rookie contract long-term here, uh, I, and, and the age um, and the, perhaps the longevity of him being, a uh, highly valued a- uh, asset in Dynasty, Bijan is is higher for me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, we can, I mean, I think we're, they're both fantastic. It's just a matter of they what, are. What, what, where your values lie um, yeah. when you project it. Uh, yeah, and, else- and I want to get that, but just put this out there real quick because I, I, I live in spreadsheets and I, I look at historical data all the time. We might be, this coming year, might be the best performance from the running back position collectively that we've seen in 20 years. Um, and I say that not just to be like a hot tech artist. I say that because the efficiency at the running back position has been trending upwards as um, offenses have spread out and most teams are going 11 personnel. The average you know, defenders in the box has been decreasing and um, we, we see running backs like one through you know 40 or 48 or so uh, that are being more productive and deeper and, and, and more efficient uh, than we have seen in, in in several years, actually. Like there was this lull from like 2012 to 2014 where we saw a bunch of bad draft classes in a row and uh, fantasy football suffered. Z- zero running back flourished. Um, you know, we had running back ones who were Devontae Freeman. <laughs> you know, like it was, it was a rough, it was a rough bit. But since then, it's been trending in, in a positive direction without us, I think, even realizing this in terms of both efficiency and volume at, at, at like deeper in a class, not just like at the very top. Like you might not see it a Ladanian Tomlinson performer anymore like we did in the early 2000s, but there are up to like 40 guys who are producing at a level that we were seeing, you know, maybe 25 produce in like 2015. And so the late, when you break it down, the collective production out of like your top 50 running backs or so there's not uh, this past season was better than any year before it back to 2008. And I looked at why that happened. And it was because 2008, we saw uh, the year um, of like Matt Forte coming in. We saw Darren McFadden coming in. We saw Jamal Jamal Charles coming in. 
uh, in the, the year prior, we had just seen Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch come in. And in that season, we still had guys like Ladanian Tomlinson hanging around, being productive at that time. So it was this perfect cross-section of, of running back generations and uh, this rejuvenation at the position. And we and so you had a bunch of these old guys who were productive and this new batch of guys who were, were productive. And it was just this running back renaissance in, in the year like 2007, 2008, 2009. It was, it was fantastic. And the signal that we're seeing now is that this past year was our 2007. And if we have this good class of 2023 running backs actually hit, we're going to have that running back renaissance year. And it's going to be the deepest, most efficient, beautiful, uh, you know, picturesque, perfect season at the position that we've seen in, in 15 years. I so there you it. go. So, Nostradamus so no slash Travis. Yeah. No zero <laughs> RB for you. Or, or do it because you can get some later because it'll be deeper. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just saying that yeah. this year is it, the potential is immense. I like it. That's fun. Who are some, what are a couple other names you want to throw out there before we jump over uh, to wide receiver? There's definitely a guy I'm going to ask you about. And you might already be a running back or uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. before we jump, let's one or two oh, more man. running backs. Cause you well, know, there, there's just a billion. About. I mean, like there's, uh, you're going to ask me about Charbonnet. So I won't talk about him. Yes, I am. But <laughs> <laughs> tank Bigsby uh, is somebody who I, oh, in a yeah. mock draft of a bunch of experts just selected him at 2.11 pick that's 23 in a rookie that's... draft. And it's funny because if you play in Debbie leagues, like he was somebody that was maybe the running back two in this class a while back. Yep. But no, yep. picking him at 2.11 as the running back nine is, wow. is where he's going right now. Uh, so yeah, I think he's going to get capital that says um, that disagrees with that. I think he's going to go at least in round three, uh, despite him running a, a four, five, six, which by the way is average for NFL 40 times at the running back position. People think that's really slow. It's not. Um, what was his speed so score? His speed score was uh, 97, uh, which, okay, by the way, the average is not 100. 100. But, yeah, but it's yeah. It, the average is not even 100 for any position, by the way. It's, right. it, it's in between 97 and 99 for running back, wide receiver, and tight end, uh, average-wise. So he's got size and speed and, and balance and strength. And, oh, man, uh, Tank Bigsby is just somebody that I think we're all um, – going to be disappointed we didn't take higher in most of our leagues and so that's that's the player i wanted to mention as as a guy who's just being severely severely uh miss misvalued currently go go trade for tank bigsby right now um yes sir that's what i'm hearing um i can't because i already have him um in every league <laughs> unless you're in that league and then you have him <laughs> so yeah that's that's uh, about right yeah but I'm gonna, I'm not gonna trade him to to anyone else who's listening. No, I do want to talk to you about Zach Charbonnet because he's a, um, he's an absolute freak athlete. Um, you know, as a recruit, uh, we talked about him. We started his career at Michigan, ended up moving to UCLA, where he um, absolutely flourished um, uh, with Chip Kelly and uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, but he uh, he ran a four five three, I believe. Um, again, he is uh, six foot two, fifteen ish. Um, what's his speed score? What did you think of Charbonnet? What do you th- uh, like of, of his day? And then, what do you think about him kind of moving forward, big picture? And we can go like you can give me like the thirty second version too. Yeah, sure, and we'll we'll wrap it up with wider series. But Charbonnet, we've been high on him for a while. I know you've been higher than me on him for a while. Yeah. Uh, didn't figure it out at Michigan. Went to UCLA. It was a perfect offensive fit for him. Was incredibly efficient. Uh, still showed some of that speed enough speed, but he's more of like a bigger body guy, uh, but weighs in at two fourteen, 
and has a speed score uh, after running a four five four uh, right uh, right above one hundred, which is uh, more than good enough. Uh, and then uh, it ha- tests in with the burst score uh, above average as well, uh, leaping thirty seven inches in the vertical, which a lot of people don't think that's very good. It is the the, the average for the position is about thirty five inches, maybe just below. Uh, and then leaping 10-2 in the broad, which, again, is above average there for him. So proving he has above average NFL athleticism and size-adjusted speed and uh, and then being a really immensely productive back uh, for two years now. Uh, so really, really high on him. Uh, I think he's in the running back three conversation. Uh, depending on the landing spot, that could be him. I love it. I'm going to have way too much Zach Charbonnet uh, if I don't already <laughs> I know you are. It. I know you uh, are. I love him, and I do. I, it's just so fun because um, there's there's so many dudes I'm wrong about. It's fun when someone that I call back two years ago um, actually, and actually I've written articles about him already. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's fun seeing him uh, seeing him uh, produce. I, and I do hope that he uh, he's able to uh, get a good landing spot, get good draft capital. He's someone I definitely am rooting for. Uh, wide receivers. Um, I want to talk to you right off the bat about because uh, we talked about him briefly. Um, because it's mm-hmm. been a pet peeve of mine is these guys that we were all high on when they were coming in as freshmen and maybe after oh. a good freshman season. Um, you're you're going to say Marvin Mims, aren't you? Yes, I am. Uh, and then they didn't produce. <laughs> and now everyone's like, oh, look at this sleeper. I'm like, he's on a, can you call him a sleeper? I mean, I, I don't you, know. You can't. You can't. If you've <laughs> we been... can't. <laughs> no, we, you know, yeah. Because I was, I was so high on Marvin Mims uh, early and then he just never really produced. And now to see other people being like, oh, Marvin Mims. A name you want to remember? I'm like, remember, man. I'm trying to forget. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's like a guy who was a what is it? What was he a top fifty? Maybe maybe just like a top one hundred recruit overall in his class. But he was a, he was a top tier four star coming into Oklahoma at a time where they had they, at one point they had nine top one hundred or no no nine top one fifty. That's what it was. Nine top one hundred fifty players in their recruiting class at the wide wide receiver position all at the same time. <laughs> and a bunch of them tra- transferred. A bunch of them did not pan out. Uh, names you wouldn't even remember uh, in many cases. A couple of them are still there, uh, like Jalil Farouk uh, being one of them. Uh, I think he could really, really, really break out this year. Marvin Mims actually said uh, as much at the Combine. But like, I gave him a shout-out in the article, too, that I wrote Good. about. Yeah. Good. Like, but Mims is not a sleeper. Like, Even, even when the offense uh, was struggling at times, um, and they were not efficient with Rattler um, during the, the bad season where they ended up transitioning to Caleb Williams. Like almost every wide receiver was super inefficient on that offense. It was like 10 yards per reception, nine yards per reception, 11 yards per reception. Marvin Mims, 22 yards per reception. <laughs> right. It was like he it's because he's a really fun vertical weapon who can add yak. He can separate from multiple wide receiver positions and. And so, yeah, to call him a sleeper is just silly. And then he runs a 4.38, leaps almost 40 inches in the vert, leaps broad jumps almost 11 feet, and people are like, whoa, crazy, where did he come from? It's like, dude, he, he, he's he been a, a, just an absolute boss since high school. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Marvin Mims. Um, who, who, are some, who are some guys that really stood out to you, either positive or negative? You can kind of take this either direction. Um, and uh, one guy thoughts, I wasn't convinced – yeah, uh, I wasn't convinced it would test this way. I thought it was possible uh, just because of um, some bursts uh, of, of fits in fits of production at uh, West Virginia. And, you know, and watching, you know, like quadruple screening a bunch of games, I, I would 
see Bryce Ford Wheaton just do something ridiculous and we go, wow, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, he doesn't re- really profile like our solid NFL wide receiver, but that was really cool. And so he tests in and he's like six, four, 221 pounds. And I'm like, my gosh, there's no way. I mean, I know he's, he could be fast, but he's not going to be like, you know, four, four or whatever. And then he runs a four, three, eight at six, four, two twenty. And I'm nuts. like, Oh my gosh. So he has the highest speed score of the bunch. He has, what is it? Uh, it's 120, by the oh, way, geez. which is like, wow. that's like almost Saquon Barkley speed score, by the way. Like that's, that's nearing that kind of territory. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just nuts. And so, I mean, he's basically, he he's built like a, a running back himself. Uh, and then he, he out jumps everyone and, and out jumps Anthony Richardson. Actually, uh, he had a 41 inch vertical, which is, uh, you know, good for like the highest at, at the at the combine, pretty much, um, especially these skill position players. And so it's like, man, uh, this dude is Chris Conley at the very least, you know. <laughs> so he's yeah. probably gonna get overdrafted. You know, he's he's gonna probably sneak into round three just because every year there's that player that that teams overdraft, and maybe he even like flashes and and is productive in year one. Like uh, last year, that player was Alec Pierce. Zero reason Alec Pierce went as early as he did last year. Zero like negative amounts of reasons. Um, but, you know, he caught 40 balls this year, only two touchdowns, but 40 balls this year. And so people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, he's got so much promise. And that's probably going to be like his second best season of his entire career. Um, right. So I'm not really uh, pumping Ford Wheaton. Uh, he's a really good tester. Um, but there are a lot of things uh, with his game. I, I don't really – he would have been great like as uh, in Andre Johnson's prime. You know, <laughs> like, like mm, he, he'd be great yeah. if he didn't need to – uh, use that speed that, that doesn't really show up to that elite level um, to, to truly separate and uh, live yeah. within the nuances of the position. Uh, but he's a really fun raw guy. He's probably going to be on a roster for a long time because, you know, really athletic guys find a way to stay on rosters. Like even like I joked about, you know, just now Chris Conley, but Chris Conley has been in the league for like six or seven years. Like That's he just true. sticks around and he'll have one year he where he caps out like 700. Yeah, exactly. He'll like cap out at like 747 yards and six touchdowns and that's fine, but I don't really care about it for fantasy. So don't overreact is what I'm saying that you're going to be like, oh my gosh, he got tested well. He got some round three capital and uh, somebody's going to reach on him anyway. I'm just not going to be that guy, uh, even though I was impressed. I I was reading on him and I had not heard this expression before, but I'm definitely going to steal it but a route tree with very few limbs on it. <laughs> it's like, okay. I like that. Yes. That's funny. That's, that's who he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Who, who else? A couple other names. A couple of names that, that I was impressed by or. Sure. Either in. one. Just, just noteworthy. Um, um, let's see. Noteworthy in a less than stellar way. I wanted Jaden Hazelwood to do something, but he ran four, six, six. And, uh, and didn't test super well in, in the agility as well. <laughs> so uh, he was a guy who needed to test like Bryce Ford Wheaton, um, mm. thought he could, and then he just didn't. And so uh, he's he's somebody that's going to go undrafted at this point in, in most. Oh, you drafts. think so? Not not undrafted completely in the real draft, but it's it's going to be close. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so, that's a real disappointment. I mean, there were 50 wide receivers at the combine, and he was like the second slowest. <laughs> so yeah. uh not great bob you know not yeah. not, not what you yeah. want to see and so that that was really disappointing and, and I, I bring him up and we bring we brought him up a ton on the show because 
he was the number one wide receiver in his class in the same class as Garrett Wilson. So needed to have a good day and just one of those Oklahoma guys you were talking about that moved, moved on to Arkansas, but yeah, he was also in that. Uh, What do you think about, um, Oh no, go ahead, please continue. No, your question first, because mine was more of a general statement. Um, No, I was just going to ask about just a couple of of schools so we can maybe throw in a couple of guys together. The Cincinnati guys we talked about last week because we expected them to put up, you know, really fast times. Neither one of them really um, was at the head of the pack there. Do you think, and they also, you know, Cincinnati, not really what, I mean, you were just talking about Alec Pierce. So, I mean, there's some precedent Mm -hmm. recently, but definitely not a school that you think of producing a bunch of great wide receivers. Uh, What do you think about these guys? Um, you know, specifically talking about um, Tucker and Scott. Yeah, the offense at Cincinnati basically asked both of them, hey, we're just going to give you like a bubble screen or a slant. Can you just burn these AAC defenders, please? Uh, And they're like, yeah, coach, I can definitely do that because I'm fast (laughs) and this is the AAC. Um, But I don't think that's really going to cut it. I mean, I I know Trey Tucker Tucker has not been hyped up the same way that Tyler Scott has. Uh, Neither of them are probably day, even day two. I know a few people have been projecting Tower Scott to be day two. Uh, I don't think either of them are. I think they could both stick on rosters for a long time, but I, I have worries about them being uh, super meaningful uh, for fantasy purposes. Uh, I don't think yeah. it's very likely at all for, for either of them to be long-term, um, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, even wide receiver three for fantasy football purposes. Yeah. Uh, let's hit um, Maryland real quick. We have, um, you know, some, yeah. some, some high pedigree guys like, uh, Rakeem Jarrett, um, who was a, a, a high, highly recruited guy. Uh, of course, Jacob, mm-hmm. Jacob Copeland, and then, uh, Demas, uh, those three guys, any, yeah. any, any one of them stick. Copeland was somebody who was like hyped up when he was back in Florida a couple of years ago. And, and I'm like, man, he had like one or two games. Um, uh, and that was it. And I'm not going to overreact and he just never got any better. He transferred. It was still not any better. Uh, Copeland would be the third favorite wide receiver of the Maryland trio that's entering this class for me. Uh, Demas would be my my second favorite. He's had health issues. Um, I think lost a little bit of the athleticism that I think he once had a few years ago already. And so I don't think he's going to get drafted super early. And for some reason, uh, the mock draft data in terms of like large samples, uh, Jarrett's been slipping for a long time. Uh, there was a moment where uh, some people thought, oh, he could be a top five or 10 wide receiver, but it doesn't seem to be the case right now, at least via consensus. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much signal you can really glean from large sample mock drafting on, you know, guys that are wide receiver 12 to 15, <laughs> Yeah. but uh, he tested pretty well, ran like a four, four had above right at average or above average uh, burst numbers with the jumps and had, had it overwhelmingly, I think in my opinion, good combine performance that, and I think he could be a day two guy still that um, the ideal projection, even dating back to high school, the ideal projection for him was somebody like Debo Samuel. Uh, and I think he could be in that kind of mold in the right offense. And so, uh, so yeah, I, th- I think I'm still high on, on Jared. Um, and if he falls, you know, it's around four in the draft, he's got to fall really far in rookie drafts. And I'm probably going to have yeah. all of, all the shares of him because I know his pedigree. I know his athleticism. I know what he, he can do. I mean, he has one of my favorite plays in the past few years by a wide receiver. Uh, I, I tweeted it out at the time uh, because it, he was so pre-snap motion. He's in right slot. He, uh, he jogs across uh, 
the formation. They're trying to diagnose whether it's zone or man. Uh, he sees the defensive back shifting with him. And it's almost as if he's just like, <laughs> okay, come on, get, come on, get some. He literally waves at, at the defensive back. Come on, come here. You know, he's like, he gives a little wave, like, come here, try to guard me. And then he's still in motion as they snap the ball. And he runs a perfect corner, cor- corner route. Uh, burns not only the defensive back that was on him, but the defensive back that diagnosed it was going to be a corner to him. And he just leaps, laying out, makes this diving perfect catch. And I was like, dude, that was so... That was such a ball. <laughs> like, he just said, yeah. Hey, come try to guard this. And then just it was incredible. And plus he's got the hoodie swag. He wears the hoodie under his, under, under oh, his pants. That's so right. That's yeah. gotta be at least worth a round. Um, so that, that's something. Oh, but. see, I would punish, <laughs> I would punish around. That makes you look slow. <laughs> you just think that because you think of James Jones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> at, true. At just a bunch of touchdowns and no, no yards. Wasn't that yeah. James Jones? Like his yeah. touchdown yard ratio it was. was just like absolutely was, oh yeah. insane. His, his touchdown percentage was wild for like two years there with, uh, yeah. with Rogers, but, so <laughs> yeah. Crazy. but, um, but yeah, but my, what I was generally going to say, and we can get to the, the Tennessee wide receivers. Cause that's another team that, that people are like, Hey, why aren't you talking about the Tennessee wide receivers? There's two of those guys. We want a second. Yeah. In general though, it, this class is a bunch of guys who are too small and are not fast enough for their size, like typically speaking. So, and you may have heard that on a couple other shows already, but like, it's just interesting. Like I want to be super high on jo- uh, Josh Downs because his profile is just nuts. Like analytically speaking, uh, Zay Flowers, I want to be super high on him because when I watch him, he reminds me of a not insane Antonio Brown. Um, and so like, I really like guys like that in, in that mold. Uh, and I think they could be super productive slots. And I think they both can actually win enough outside, especially Zay. Like Zay definitely did that at times when he had to. But it's just interesting, like not just those two, but several of the guys, like even like Tate Dell, um, guys just with really crap speed scores because, you know, they're just super lean. Um, I don't know, like a bunch of speed scores in the 80s and like low, low Yeah, 90s. no, that's disappointing. And, uh, and it's like, uh, you know, it's fast enough. Like they're above average. 40 times, but in terms of like truly, I don't know, predictive anything, like combining uh, measurements together that mean something, uh, it's just like it doesn't typically give us the sig- a positive signal that we want to see. Like it was a bunch of neutral combine performances or, or slight negatives, really. Um, so, yeah, I think that was just disappointing because there's a bunch of guys that fit like that undersized slot guy <laughs> that yeah. don't have the athleticism. But, you know, it, it can pan out anyway. Like there are exceptions. Uh, and these guys aren't like super red flag athletic um, problems. Uh, but, you know, I just wanted to see lower four fours or sub four fours uh, out of some of these guys because that, that's what I thought they had. Yeah. But that said, I still am very high on Zay Flowers and Josh Downs because I think they both could be more productive than even like team big wide receiver guys like Quentin Johnston, who's who's a long time body catching struggle, um, you know, has a bunch of solid metrics going for him. But still, uh, it's just a weird uh, wide receiver class overall with questions, more questions than I'm typically comfortable, comfortable with, uh, right. when I'm trying to project elite fantasy production. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe this class isn't going to have so much of that elite, but have a lot of that, you know, good, solid wide receiver two, wide receiver three type, um, production. And <laughs> that's just, yeah, I was going to yeah, ask you about, I was going to ask you about most Downs, classes. so I'm, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you uh, you mentioned him because he's he's someone that I've been interested in just because I love Drake May so much. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see what happens actually with the Tar Heels this year, but that's for a uh-huh, different show yeah. altogether. 
Um, uh, yeah. Or maybe the next one or the one after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of, we are, um, you know, we're at about a minute 12. Anything else uh, you want to kind of hit on about the wide receiver? It's funny that uh, we're, we're doing wide receivers at the end and we spent the, the beginning on tight ends. It's usually reversed. So. Uh, yeah just, hey just, we got to give the people the the truly unique stuff first right and, and save yep. save maybe what they're actually hoping for, <laughs> for the <laughs> but end. already maybe new yeah 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 but um the last thing was just the the tennessee duo of wide receivers uh just because it's come up uh even in a conversation i had with thor nystrom uh who's really respected guy who's been covering college football for a long time uh, he's actually higher on cedric tillman of tennessee than he has Jalen hyatt of tennessee um uh, uh, although you know T- uh, Hyatt is obviously the guy who's being mocked as a fringe first round projection, Cedric Tillman safely, safely in the back end of of day two by most consensus boards, um, and so you know he was saying, look, Tillman Tillman dominated for the back half of 2021. I caught 10 balls for 200 yards against Georgia. Uh, had over 150 receptions, uh, not receptions, receiving yards against uh, Alabama just week after week after week. His set, six or seven week stretch plus the beginning of this year was really uh, tracking impressively. Um, and a lot of Jalen Hyatt's breakout and impressive performance this year was due to the absence of right. Cedric Tillman. Um, and I, 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 I'm not incredibly high on Hyatt, but I kind of came back and was like, well, that was an advocate here. Cedric Tillman was only productive during the back half of his fourth year removed from high school and then the beginning beginning of year five. Like it took him that long to do much of anything. Like Hyatt was yeah. at least doing something in year two and then exploded uh, in year three, including, you know, that five touchdown game against Alabama. Um, and there weren't many other games where he absolutely toasted teams, uh, That's you know, so crazy he destroyed he like that. Akron and a few other people. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and he's like a two way go wide receiver that is not like a full route tree guy and he's super skinny and we thought he was going to be a four, three guy, but he's actually a four, four guy. And, um, so maybe there are more questions with, with Hyatt. And so I, I think it is kind of a reach to say that he should go early first round or mid first round, or even in the first round at all for Jalen Hyatt. But I also recognize that what he does specifically perfectly fits the, the modern NFL game and several offenses in the NFL in terms of post-snap read uh, vertical stem routes. Like, that's perfect for him. And analytically speaking, he peaked really nicely this year. Uh, and Tillman probably, from a film perspective, is good enough at a lot of things to, to get maybe day two capital. But that's probably safe, and that's probably where he belongs. So. I think just based on the speed and how Hyatt fits the modern NFL, he is a round two wide receiver and Tillman Tillman is a round three or four wide receiver. And that's probably safe. Even if Tillman's game is more complete. Mm. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cause uh, people like speed. <laughs> they know? do. They and do. even if we were hoping he'd be faster, he was, he still put up one of the, one of the faster times at the wide receiver position. Um, yeah. Like I know uh, NFL.com uh, puts out their like athleticism score or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And uh, he, he was their number one ranked wide receiver. So Hyatt. That is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. People are super high on, on Hyatt, man. Uh, and I get it. I get it. Cause like, especially when you, you toast, you know, the, the most impressive dynasty of all time, essentially in prime time. Mm-hmm. And it's the most watched game of the year. And, um, uh, for five freaking touchdowns <laughs> so, yeah. like this, you know, it's fun. But at the same time, that doesn't make you 
and shouldn't make you the odds on favorite to be even the wide receiver two or three uh, in terms of real, real capital. So to, to right. me, he's probably wide receiver six. Um, and that's probably lower than consensus, but uh, on, that's on where he should ones, be, or that's where he will. That's be. probably what he should be. That's not where he probably will go. He'll probably be the yeah. third or fourth wide receiver taken uh, because of the speed and how he fits the modern game within his, yeah. you know, two way go out of the slot type role. Um, will Fuller, but, baby. Yeah, man. Like it, it, he could be what we hoped will full, like a healthy Will Fuller. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess could or should have been. Um, anyway, will but, but yeah, be. I'm just kidding. Yeah, will let's just yeah let's let's be hot hot takey. He will be Will Fuller. Yeah. No, I I think if I uh, and we, it's funny we didn't even talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison, um, but they're just I have no questions. You know, like, right. <laughs> like they're like they're yeah. just wide receiver one and wide receiver two, and then there's a big gap. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba could have taken the entire year off, and he basically did, and is still probably wide receiver one, and he's still the books odds on favorite to be the first selected. And Addison is the odds on favorite to be like the second selected. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, we, we could talk more about them, but we just don't need to. because like they've right. been balling and we've been talking about them for two or three years. How long, what, how far into the draft will we be when they're both off the board? Pick 20, uh, pick 21. Oh, that late. Yeah, but just because I think it, this class uh, is more like, uh, hey, the, the wide receiver run starts in the teens. Then yeah. it is why why does he run uh run starts at ten. Mm-hmm. So I think definitely tw- pick pick twenty, twenty one, they'll both be gone. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to cover before we take off? Uh we could talk about defensive players, but nobody wants to listen to that. So <laughs> we're at a, an hour seventeen. We should probably save that for another yeah, episode. <laughs> We're just not at all because yeah. there are like seven of us, seven of our listeners that actually probably care. That's okay. You know, I actually listened to one of our episodes from last year when I was writing the article about the yeah. just to, just to get a reminder. And you talked about IDP and you mentioned the same seven listeners. You used the exact same number. So there's actually Good. there's a set. There's you're an eight team IDP league. Hey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love my, it. my eight team IDP league. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, actually, I'm I'm in at least. There are at least 11 other people that care about IDP because I'm in enough there, leagues to know. But <laughs> funny. I am not one of them. I dropped out, but no, that's okay. All right. Yeah. Well, it was good bring, chatting. Bring we'll be home, back. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Um, we'll probably do some sort of mock drafting. Um, getting you guys ready for a uh, f- f- football season coming up. Uh, Travis, always a pleasure. Uh, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing uh, what else is coming out. I do have another article coming out next week. Um, on the the following draft class, so not next year's, but the one after that. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, sure to nail that. All all picks will be correct. Uh, anything anything else from you, Travis? <laughs> nah, man, just uh, ready to uh, release some new rookies on uh, on Mojo here soon. Actually, gonna do some early access stuff for VIPs. So that's, that should be kind of fun. Uh, some some people who are already on the platform doing a lot of things. I'm uh, going to have some release, I believe, uh, early next week. We just had a nice, a fresh app update, um, but we'll be adding a bunch of uh, college basketball players now. Uh, we've had oh, this is a NFL. Good time for that. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've had NFL. We've had college football, we, and we added NBA. We added not only NBA career bets, um, but we added uh, some like liquid props, like liquid trading opportunities. Uh, based on points and points, rebounds, assists, so a bunch of stuff for single game that was like fit within the stock market. It's incredible. Oh, like, cool. uh, it's, it's so much fun. Um, and 
so yeah, we're, we're going to add some teams, uh, team level stuff at the college, uh, just for, just as a special for the, for the tournament. So that's going to be incredibly exciting. And then uh, within weeks, we're going to have major league baseball live too. Um, and, and one of the smartest people I've met within our company is somebody we, uh, we stole away from the Cubs and, uh, his name is Jeremy. He's just an incredible guy. Uh, and his kind of created this, uh, you know, the, the custom baseball stat for like the career stat and oh my gosh, it, it, it uh, perfectly captures like wins above replacement and it's just advanced analytics stuff that I really nerd out and appreciate. So uh, <laughs> that's awesome. if, if you're into fantasy baseball stuff too, uh, listeners, uh, it's going to be fun just mapping some career stuff for, for baseball players uh, as well. So uh, just really excited to see what comes beyond that, but just trying to get all the major sports up on the market and, and rolling. And uh, it's cool to see the behind the scenes and all the, the nerdy math that makes it all possible. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you all for listening. We will be back with you all next week. Don't forget to give the show, oh, as a bunch of cops are driving past the apartment. Uh, don't forget to uh, give the show a rating and review. Um, follow us, of course. Uh, you can listen to us on the Radio, Roto, geez, on the Roto-Viz main feed or uh, follow along on the college to canton side of things uh where we always release the episode uh, at least a day earlier maybe a couple hours earlier depending but give us a listen we look forward to uh catching you all next week everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.